Hello, I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Caroline Winter in Adelaide, Australia. Welcome to Dog Edition, the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs. Coming up, we're heading to the movies with the author of Citizen Canine, Dogs in the Movies, who will give us a backstage pass to her insider knowledge of dogs in Hollywood. And she's a book nerd, a writer, a certified personal trainer, and a vet. She's a busy woman. The woman behind the podcast, helping to keep other vets healthy and happy. We'll hear from her soon. So if you love dogs as much as we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's take a walk, because we've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey, Pepper, want to go for a walk? Let's take a visit over to the hydrant and talk about time. Uh, I do want to talk about what happens at my place at 4.45 p.m. every afternoon. So 4.45 specifically. Specifically, 4.45. Precisely. On the dot mostly. And as you would be very happy to hear, Jim, I'm usually sitting at my desk writing about dogs. Of course I am. Mm -hmm. But every day at almost exactly that time, the same thing happens. Well, I assume you're just it's you're thinking it's time for a Foster's ale or whatever you all drink Ew. down there and, and blaspheme, blaspheme. <laughs> no, what what happens at four forty five every day, Carol? Well, I am more than sure that Harvey can't read the time as smart as he is. Hmm. But it's like he has an internal clock that goes off every day at a quarter to five, and that's him telling my husband and me to down tools, stop working, and go to the park to play fetch. I think that makes total sense because I read a book years ago, I think it was like, I don't know, 2011, by Rupert Sheldrake, uh, who wrote a book called Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. And he is this Cambridge-trained um, scholar, and he talks about something called morphic resonance, and it never really caught on in the mainstream. But basically, he says that dogs, like other creatures, have the ability to sense things that are inexplicable, like when their owners are coming home or 445, and the quality of evidence that is required to back up that thing, because most scientists and veterinarians think that's a total bunch of bunk, <laughs> is so overwhelming. But um, I, I kind of think Harvey knows what he's talking about. So is it kind of like a sixth sense? I think that's a good way of describing it. They have this sense, they have this morphic thing that they can tap into, that creatures can tap into and know when their owners are coming home or when it's time to go to the park at precisely 4.45, et cetera, yeah. And so would that account for, you know, sometimes you hear about dogs, how they can feel a ghost or see a ghost. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a lot of talk about that um, previously. Would that play into to this idea? I think so. We need to reach out to Rupert Sheldrake and mm. see if he'll come on our show someday. But yes, I, I think this is all connected to that sense that dogs are, well, they have a developed brain, at least developed enough to, to find those weird things. But not all scientists agree with uh, Dr. Sheldrake. No, they don't. So, Jim, I'm going to take you to some research, which I think you might find interesting and probably have a few ideas about on your own. And it's really kind of the opposite about what we've just talked about then. So, Dr. Kristen Waller is a vet and she also works for Hills Pet Nutrition. 
And she's got some ideas about why this time thing exists or how it exists. So she says that dogs definitely pick up on our daily routines as well as our verbal and non-verbal cues very, very well. And that actually leads us to the perception that they have an internal clock, which is what I basically believe Harvey has. Hmm. Okay, so let's dig into this a little deeper from the veterinarian's perspective as opposed to from Dr. Sheldrake's perspective. So I guess she's saying that dogs, just like us humans, have their own internal stuff going on and that we as humans obviously experience hunger and biological cues and dogs are latching on to that routine, right? That's is that the gist of what she's saying? Yeah, yeah. I wonder how much of all that aligns with dog's understanding of time and what is happening at a particular time, though. Yeah, that's a kind of interesting, isn't it? And look, from my reading, all of those factors play into their ability to read time, and I'm doing that in quotes, read time. Air quotes, read time. Yeah. It's an audio show, Carol. Yes. In fact, though, researchers found that dogs go into what they call waiting mode, mm-hmm. which is an interesting term. So that's when they're anticipating a known activity like a walk or a meal or 44:45 when we go to the park and play fetch. And neurons in their very big brains go off and those neurons are in the brain's temporal lobe where the researchers speculate that the time memory might be stored. Hmm. Well, I did do a little digging on this veterinarian's <laughs> research and I see that scientists have been theorizing that dogs could be sniffing at times, smelling it. For example, the scent of their meal that lingers for so long and then after a certain number of hours, poof, it's gone and they know it's time to come back for another meal because they really rely on their noses. That's fascinating. So it's kind of the smell wears off and they go, oh, it must be time to eat again. (laughs) Or they know that you want to pop that Foster's ale. No, I know you're not going to do that. Um, (laughs) they, They may be relying on their sense of smell. It could be. And what about repetition? Now, surely they must get into some of those time cues from doing the same thing over and over and over and over again on a regular basis. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's those habits kind of back to the routine that you were talking about earlier plays a part for sure. Like as researchers are pointing out, dogs are like little furry robots. And if you feed them promptly at six and head out for a walk mm. promptly at seven every day, well, then they begin to anticipate when it's close to six or seven by what's happening in the home. Also, which is something I hadn't thought about, but the light or the shadows outside, they can tell that, you know, it's sunshine or it's nighttime and other cues around the place, you know, like if they're hungry or they have to exercise or go to the toilet. So all of those things come into play. Or if the neighbor's coming home or cars on the street or all sorts of environmental cues. Well, that makes sense. So really, there is a little bit of connection between what Dr. Wilner from Hills says and what Dr. Sheldrick say that really, you know, dogs have a lot of cues that they're picking up and maybe it's not all sixth sense. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of be happy in the middle ground, but... We will try to have a further discussion of this because I think it's fascinating to get deep into how doggies think and at least think for a moment that maybe there's some more depth than just, oh, they're using (laughs) their nose. But we'll continue this in the future. We're going to take a break, but we will be right back. You're listening to Dog Edition. And now a message from your dog. 
Oh, every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. Oh, I want to run. I want to sniff. Ooh, I want to find a good stick to carry. Oh, I want to roll in the grass. Oh, and warm my belly in the sun. Oh, I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pop. The green, glassy beef liver smell wakes my senses. Oh, you may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy. <laughs> it infuses any food you give me with healthy life vibrancy. Oh, <laughs> I can feel it. Ever pop traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. I'm so grateful to be your dog. And for the Everpop you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpop, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpop is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpop Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S., Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Welcome back to Dog Edition. And we're heading to the movies with the dogs of Hollywood and Pan Lawrence and you, Jim. Jim, do you have a favorite movie with a dog in it? <laughs> One. I have to pick just one. There are so many. Um, I would actually have to choose a movie that I saw recently. Well, when I think about recently, it must have been a little bit more than longer ago than recent because I was on an airplane Mm. and I was watching this movie and tears were streaming (laughs) down my cheeks and the flight attendant was like are you okay are you okay and i'm like yes it's just the movie (laughs) i was watching the art of racing in the rain which is an amazing film it is highly recommended i like these these tear jerkers but what about you uh what movies do you like oh i uh i cannot watch movies with dogs in them at all i cannot i can't i just can't here's why So that is my dog, Pepper, and he absolutely cannot stand to see another dog on the screen. Kanga is the same way. They, they just And horses, too. You, you know why? I actually I did a little research oh, on Oh, tell this. me. Here's why. Because in the old days, this didn't used to be a problem. But in the old days, we didn't have high-definition television, and their eyes are just... They really can't discern all of that movement in the old-fashioned TVs that we grew up with. (laughs) But in high-definition 4K and whatever, you know, fancy stuff we have, the dogs can see that, and that's where it becomes so distressing. Useless fact. We need those movie theaters to open back up after the pandemic fast. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I get it. I can see why people love a good, heartfelt, and sometimes, as you said, tear-inducing dog movie. Well, for anyone who has a favorite canine actor, there's a book now that chronicles 
100 years of dogs in the movies. I recently spoke with the author, Wendy Mitchell. See, I wrote the book as a tribute to real dogs, real acting canines, and that's what I wanted to honor. See, now a book I can embrace. It won't make Pepper bark. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy's book is full of behind-the-scenes stories of movie shoots and industry tricks for getting movie star dogs to, you know, act. Of course, I think dogs have emotions. Um, And I do think sometimes you're really capturing those on screen. And sometimes they're just looking at a piece of meat. Like on the set of the movie Marmaduke, there's a scene where the dog needed to look at the humans in a direct line of sight. And here is how they did it. They would give the actors sunglasses with a little piece of meat. The meat was wrapped around the middle of the sunglasses. And the dog looked longingly at it. I mean, talk about (laughs) your method acting. Imagine the, you know, emotion they could have evoked with that Lady Gaga, you know, her famous meat dress. Remember that? (laughs) (laughs) If they had all the actors in a meat dress. Oh, my God. Yes, I love that. I'm sure the dogs would go for that as well. Do you remember the movie um, Cujo back from, like I think, 1983? Oh, gosh, yes. that. So that was my first real introduction to anything Stephen King. And that movie terrified me as a kid. Especially, do you remember this? Especially the scene where the dog is, like, frothing at the mouth and trying to get into the car. Well, now you can feel some sympathy for the St. Bernard that played Cujo in that scene. Hmm. You know, you have this huge St. Bernard, and it looks like it's rabid and clawing to get into this car, and it was really because they had hidden its favorite toy in the car. Aww. Right? He just wanted his toy. He just wanted this (laughs) toy. so sad. There's another secret that Wendy revealed about the 1943 movie, Lassie Come Home. Lassie was not a lassie. I thought that was an urban myth. Me too. The dog they originally cast as Lassie was not hitting its marks. It wasn't doing what the director had wanted, but there was a stunt dog on the set named Pal. So Pal was screen tested in that famous river scene from the movie. And Pal did it. And also, you know, they were shooting, I think, in the summer. And I th- the male collies, the fur just looks nicer and thicker and more lustrous especially during the warmer months. So Powell got the job, and that is why Lassie was played by a laddie. (laughs) A laddie, you know, a guy. Trainers who worked with these canine actors know exactly how to bring out the best performance by letting them play out their own personalities. Wendy talks about a scene from the movie Marley and Me with one of the 22 canine actors who over the 13-year screen life of the dog play the role of Marley. Clyde was just really rambunctious, and they didn't try to get a calm dog to play rambunctious. They found a rambunctious dog and then let it practice tearing up old furniture and then told him, like, go for it. The trainers are really see these dogs as individuals. I'm sure the human actors who work so closely with their canine co-stars also see them as individuals. How can they not? I'm sure they develop a bond with them. Most actors really get attached to the dog they're starring with. In the case of the 1918 movie, A Dog's Life, it was heartbreakingly the other way around. Um, After they made the film, the dog was so fond of Charlie Chaplin that um, Chaplin had gone off on a tour to sell war bonds. And Mutt, the dog, was left behind and stopped eating. 
um, because he missed chaplain so much. And they said he died of a broken heart because he couldn't eat. So that might be Hollywood lore. Let's We could pretend that Mutt lived a long, happy life. I want to imagine Toto lived a long, happy life, too. Can I do that? Toto from The Wizard of Oz, he was a Karen Terrier uh, named Terry, and he has such a big part of that movie. They wouldn't have gotten to Oz without Toto. There wouldn't be the Over the Rainbow Serenade. She couldn't get home without Toto. So Toto's just really integral to this story, maybe even more than we think about for the plot. So imagine how nervous the producers must have been when there was a little mishap during filming. He hurt his little pole one day on the set. He was fine, but he had to recuperate for a week or two. So Judy Garland took him home, took Terry home to recuperate at her house. I doubt she would have done that for, like, the lighting guy. <laughs> what do you think? I, my, my money's on the Tin Man. I think the Tin Man stepped on his paw. <laughs> I think maybe the Scarecrow, or maybe the Flying Monkey. <laughs> well, okay, any and all of them would make Pepper Bark if I watched that or any of the dog movies we talked about today. In Hollywood, Mr. Rooney, we create. We create not only pictures, but actors and actresses as well. We create and... Uh, and mold them. We even try to mold hoofers. Well, Wendy did have some thoughts on how to deal with dogs at home who are barking at the dogs on the silver screen or the 4K screen. Here's her advice. Maybe try out your dog watching Somewhere Over the Rainbow and Dorothy serenading Toto and see if they like it. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Well, our mission to find new and entertaining dog-loving podcasters and YouTubers continues, and we've uncovered another great guest. And this episode, we're sharing a snippet of Jim's recent live-streamed conversation on Dog Lovers Live with none other than Katie Berlin. Well, Dr. Katie Berlin hosts the podcast, The Vet Reset. It is a place where veterinary professionals can talk about physical health and exercise, nutrition and wellness, and how those factors have helped them in their journey into veterinary medicine and helping care for all of our pets. Well, um, the Vet Reset, I started um, thinking about it years ago because I am very excited about physical wellness um, and how that intersects with mental health. And in veterinary medicine, I don't know how much of the of the audience is aware, but there is kind of a mental health crisis going on in veterinary medicine. And, you know, we have a lot of, um, a lot of our field is struggling with uh, mental health issues and just burnout and depression. Um, we've lost far too many vets and veterinary technicians to suicide. Um, and so um, this is something I'm really passionate about, but I feel like physical health and physical wellness plays a key role in preventing those mental health crises as, as much as we can, you know, 
what was the thought process? Because to come out and do a podcast that really focuses on the mental health aspects and tolls of veterinary medicine, what, what was that like for you? The vet reset, what I wanted to do was, you know, I don't believe in putting on rose-colored glasses or putting a positive spin on everything because there are some things that just, they aren't going to be positive no matter how you, you look at them. But what I felt the need for after a few years in practice and feeling really burned out and just feeling the weight of all those things already as a young vet, um, I felt the need for hope and the idea that what I was doing day to day and my experience day to day, that A, I was not alone and that B, I could change it, that I would have the power to change it. And I have to say that the the biggest thing that gave me the confidence to change my day-to-day life in the profession and also to encourage others to do it um, and to take more enjoyment from my work again is physical fitness. And I wanted to share that and I wanted to talk to other people who had made similar discoveries. And so the one thing I ask all the guests on the vet reset is what's your reset moment? Um, And everybody has something, you know, that moment where could be six months a moment or it could be one you know, bolt of lightning, but there's always something that makes them say, I've got to do something different. I can't go on like this. And then they do it. How do you grow your audience among veterinarians? Who are your primary listeners? Um, Probably uh, my friends. (laughs) That's how it always starts, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, But I'm also very lucky to have been... um, in a community called the Uncharted Veterinary Community, where there's a lot of kind of doers and shakers in there. And so I actually ended up meeting a lot of people that way who are also connected and into social media and doing their own podcasts and things like that. And so um, they've helped a lot because they will share also and they'll listen and tell their friends about it and they know everyone. So it's definitely true that networking matters um, when you can do it. But Occasionally, I'll get a message from a stranger who just says, hey, you know, I'm really glad you said that thing because it, you know, it's what I needed to hear today. And um, those mean so much to me. And you can watch Jim's full Dog Lovers live stream with The Vet Reset's Katie Berlin as part of our stream series at dogloverslive.com. And that is about it for today's episode. I want to thank you for bringing Dog Edition along with you on your walk today. If you're looking for other things to listen to, well, check out my show, The Long Leash, with James Jacobson. Yeah, well, that's a good name. Uh, And we have some great conversations there. There is a link in your show notes to that podcast. Yeah, check it out. It's fantastic. And on the next episode of Dog Edition, staying with the movie theme, we speak to the man behind the beautiful film, The Art of Racing in the Rain. That's one of my favorite films. It's a tearjerker. Bring the tissues. And remember, Dog Podcast Network is for dog lovers by dog lovers, and that means we want to hear from you. So why not leave us a voicemail or an email, but you can leave us a voicemail by going to dogedition.com and clicking on the little blue microphone icon, which is located on the bottom right of every episode page. We really want to hear what you have to say about our show. Also, we are looking for correspondence as we continue to grow this podcast and Dog Podcast Network. So 
if you are a content producer or a journalist or a podcaster or an audio storyteller and you love dogs, well then check out our 101 Dog Stories contest with over $15,000 in prize money. And follow Dog Edition in whatever podcast app you use to listen and leave us a review. And check the show notes for links and information about the guests in this episode. I'm Caroline Winter, your resident newshound. And I'm James Jacobson. Again, I want to thank you for listening today. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.